Hello and welcome to the Weekly Four. The Weekly Four podcast. The Weekly Four podcast. We cast pods and podcast. Um, first, I want to remind her to anybody who may listen to subscribe. and Smash also, that subscribe button. And also want to start by apologizing to you, Mr. Levenstein. I did a lot of due diligence uh, for this podcast, and I thought you were going to cancel on me, so I may have called you a not nice word, but it was meant in jest and out of love, not out of spite and like, I can't believe we waste the last half hour researching this. Not at all. You never say that word in jest. Uh, I'm broadening my vocabulary. <laughs> you never broaden anything. Nor that, change anything. That's not true. I change my mind on lots of things. <laughs> the only reason I'm like, what is our is because here? I'm like, oh my god, he called me that? He must be really angry. I wasn't actually really angry. <laughs> I was just like... Because uh, I, I was like, as I was doing it, I'm like, I know he's going to cancel on me and we're not going to do this podcast and I'm doing this research for nothing. Because the yeah. problem is when you get a weekly four podcast, you're getting that day's history and events. Um, and if you delay it, then it's not that day in history. See, and Tanya right, saying, oh man, is, that's exactly how our listeners feel when they don't get a new weekly four. People don't realize how much love, sweat, and tears we put into preparing for and planning for getting this podcast done. I hear a lot of knocking in the background, just FYI, if you may want to move to a quieter location. That would be Tanya's clogs, or whatever it is that she's playing. Tanya's pogs? Clogs. Oh, clogs. I thought she was playing pogs. She was bringing them back. No, she thinks she's a Dutch woman. Oh. Oh. Our friend Hanan Wolf knows that Tanya is not Dutch. He knows a Dutch (sighs) woman. Tanya's not a Dutch woman. Tonight's bourbon is foolproof 1792 single barrel select, 62.5% alcohol. You know what's amazing? If it was from 1792, it would be worth a fortune. Uh, yeah, it's probably more from like 2015. It's funny. I always forget to take alcohol before we start this, maybe because I don't have a drinking problem. I do not have a drinking problem. <laughs> that is exactly what somebody says who has a drinking problem. Uh, I have a drinking solution. <laughs> so we could probably just keep going back and forth like this, but I think our listeners want us to get back to topics um, rather than just banter for the rest of the podcast. So we will get started. I think uh, this entire podcast is banter, but. Yeah, but at I least don't. there's like topics and like. Uh, like a focus general banter. framework. Exactly. It's focus banter. Be funny Purpose if people are listening banter. to this and be like, I actually don't like sports history, politics, or random. I just want to see what the hell they say to each other. <laughs> I see there's a certain thing to that. My mom's probably sitting there being like, that Steven is not being very nice to my Yosef. I'm always nice to your Yosef, Mrs. <laughs> Levenstein. Always. I even named a storm drain after him, okay? Oh my God. Is that one of the topics? I mean, look at the <laughs> it is not yet. one of the topics. But for anybody to know, in the city of Houston, you can name a storm drain for free uh, that hasn't been claimed by anyone. And on Mr. Levenstein Street, in his honor, there is now a storm drain called Yusef Levin Drain. So if you see the drain on Sarong, um, know that it's Yusef Levin Drain, and please send it my regards next time you're there. Send my regards to Levin Drain. I think Yusef Levin Drain is an amazing play on your name. 
you're a very creative person. And like I said, I hope one day you're able to put your uh, creativity to work in some beneficial ways for this world. Yeah, me too. Um, Other than this podcast, of course. If this podcast is our only contribution to humanity, humanity is in big trouble. Um, (laughs) Not saying that we're are the humanity's last hope, then we'd really be in big trouble. But um, uh, our audience loves self-deprecating humor, so. Everyone loves self-deprecating humor. It's hilarious. Uh, anybody who's able to look at themselves in there and be like, well, this is what's wrong with me and that's what's wrong with me. Anybody who's like, that's a perfect person I'm looking at, that's how you know who's conceited and who's got self-deprecating humor. Okay, fine. People that are conceited may not find self-deprecating humor funny, but everyone else is hilarious. Uh, Okay, now we're five minutes. We really need to get started. So on sports, um, the Australian Open... Uh, is currently underway, and the number one seed in the whole tournament on the men's draw, Rafael Nadal, lost in the second round. Um, he's not known as a great hardcore player. I'm actually surprised he was ranked one, but because Djokovic had been disqualified from like half the tournaments because he never got his COVID-19 shot, um, he's still alive, uh, by the way, in the tournament. Uh, he's a four seed, I think. Um, but that literally made Djokovic by far... Um, the more most likely person to win this tournament to add to his increasing number of major victories. So that's kind of what just started in tennis. Kind of really the only major thing going on during the week in sports right now. I will get to the second thing going on in sports in a minute, but um, kind of if you had any take on the Australian Open or the fact that Djokovic wasn't allowed to participate because he never had the COVID-19 shot. So just so I'm clear on this, Djokovic is not playing. No, he's playing this year. Ah, okay. So he's still playing. Nadal is out. Correct. Like, that's it. He's done. He's done. He's done. Correct. There's no, uh, you can't lose one game and come back. There's no, uh, there's no um, double elimination. Rough crowd. Who eliminated him? Uh, Some random guy. I think he's American, actually. Yeah, some random American. Um, or in the words of Rick Derringer, a real American. Hugh Hulk Hogan's theme song. <laughs> it's funny, I was just tearing my shirt off. Um, that's an impressive amount of strength. Yeah, I'm an impressive man. So there's an Australian Open, there's Wimbledon, and then there's the New York Open. Are there other US Opens? Open, US Open, and then the French Open. It's, those are the big four. It's the Grand US Slam. Open, British Open, French Open. Yeah. The order yeah. goes Australian, Wimbledon, uh, Australian, French, Wimbledon, US Open. That's the order. Yeah, so it goes. And then there's a lot of smaller tournaments as well. Yeah, yeah but these are the big ones. Right, and the U.S. Open and the Australian Open is played on hard court. Wimbledon is played on grass, and the French is played on clay. So three different uh, types of surfaces. That is interesting. Um, yeah, that's a. I guess do people yeah. what time? What time are the games on in the U.S.? Um, it's like sixteen hours ahead, so actually a lot of them are on at like night. Um, so it's actually it actually works out. So like. When it's on at like 10 o'clock here, it's like 2 in the afternoon uh, in Australia. So actually, Australian Open, you actually can watch some of the matches at night because they're going on during the day there. Um, Interesting. And the night ones are on at like 
um, typically like you can get like a uh, yeah. Sometimes you have like five, six AM matches, I guess though. So and how does this, from a viewership perspective, stack up against other sporting events? Uh, tennis doesn't typically get so much until you get to like the semifinals or the finals, and it again it just depends on what time they're doing it in Australia what time it happens to be aired here. I went to the Australian Open Finals actually when I was on my honeymoon. Um, it was very cool. Um, it's a very that cool venue cool. event. So um, it wasn't a great finals and the dog got hurt in it. So he lost uh, to uh, Stan Warinka, who's kind of probably like the fourth best player in tennis over the last like 10 years. The problem is that the other three were just so much better than him. So um he was a distant fourth. Got it. Probably him and Andy Murray, probably. Um, but yeah, so um, that's kind of what's going on in tennis. So start tuning in. They're playing third round matches now. And uh, well, actually, I think all the third round matches are done. Like some of the matches are at 3 a.m., some are at like 10 30 at night here. Um, there's people playing literally right now. The guy who beat Nadal is actually playing right now. He's losing. Um, I always find it entertaining. So there's two. Uh, I'll just, I I don't know if I've. I mean, I'm sure I used to play tennis, like I had like a coach and everything. It was it was actually I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't really know why I stopped, but I did stop. Um, one so so two things. So one is, um, I always found it entertaining how like when tennis players serve, like they scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not all like, of them. Not all of them. They let out that grunt. Rah, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I knew what you said before you had to make the noises, but yeah. I just wanted to emphasize the point. Mm-hmm. And um, the other Consider- thing, and this is, let's see, what year is this? When I was taking tennis, it was probably the late 90s. And I remember at the time, my coach, he, would, he was like a South African guy. He had been like a pro in South Africa, and then he moved to Israel, and he was like, Whatever. Now he was teaching you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And um, he was very upset because at that point in time, he said tennis was just becoming like who has the most powerful serve. Right. So is that still the case or is it back to like the um, fourth game as well? I mean, a powerful serve is important, but the people I think with like, there's an American, John Isner, who had an incredible serve, but he never won a major. So I, I think it's, it's, I think the serve game is still it's uh, a big part of it, but I don't think it's the only part. I think it turned more that way, but I mean, in terms of the real... But again, I'm not completely up to date with where it is. I mean, somebody could literally come on here, tell me who knows it way better than me, tell me I'm completely wrong, and I'd believe that. So that's a guess. It's not a... Not necessarily a knowledge base that I have heavily to draw on fair enough um so that's what's going on in tennis highly recommend our listeners if they like tennis to tune in uh and check espn has a good bracket in terms of when the times are on it's think it's mostly an espn too uh because of the timing but uh um and again if you're ever in australia you should try to go to melbourne for it in january it's like 80 degrees 85 degrees there now this time of year and the tournament is going on so it's a very cool thing to do I'm guessing that in Australia, they actually think it's more like 25 to 30 degrees. Mm. You and your 
your Celsius fan club. I think you should start a uh, Yusef Levendrain Celsius fan club. Uh, it's called the rest of this freaking planet besides for the United States. But f- Fahrenheit's better. Oh my god. It's more it's more yeah, whatever. It gives you, it's, it gives it's you more Exactly. Because you're not you're not smart enough to understand that twenty and a half degrees is different than twenty one or they than... don't nobody ever does half the Celsius degrees. You guys aren't specific enough. It is specific enough because you know that at twenty it's nice, at twenty five it's warm, at thirty it's hot. Like how is that need, different? Because in America, I need there's... more numbers. I need, <laughs> I need to really understand because is it seventy seven or is it seventy eight? Because twenty one and twenty two just doesn't do it for me. Correct. There is a big difference between <laughs> seventy seven and seventy eight. It's an entire degree. Okay. Oh. Anyway, we're never going to see eye to eye on that one. So, um, Moving on, Mattress Mac has put another $2 million bet. And if you quickly go buy furniture right now from him or, or mattresses, I think it's just mattresses. Um, again, the only problem with his thing is like it must be great if you need a mattress. If you don't need a mattress and, and you get it for free, then what do you do with it? Unless somebody literally then starts a side business selling the mattresses they got from Mattress Mac. Out of like a out of like a storage facility, <laughs> um, uh, it actually Where'd would be you... funny if somebody started a business just selling furniture, mattresses they got from Mattress Mac, and literally uh, from one of his deals, and that's how their business started. It'd be actually really funny. Do you remember when people used to wait in line for iPhones? I never did, but I remember that people would do that. When people did, I, yeah. did I say, Stephen? Do you remember when you had nothing no. better to do with your time? Um, yes, I and- remember seeing. Yes, I remember <laughs> seeing lines on the news. Stephen, do you remember when you had nothing better to do with your time than being storm drains in the city of Houston after your friends and community? <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, um, do you? Okay, so. At the tail end of that phenomenon, because eventually it like it, it tapered off and whatever Apple got its whatever I don't know that just changed. Well, Amazon was also created. <laughs> There's a lot of factors. Oh, people aren't buying iPhones on the day they're released on Amazon. But the the tail end of it, there was a phenomenon which was, or of that phenomenon, there was a what they identified was there were people that would go and wait in line. They would pay people to wait in line, and then they would buy the, you know, you can only buy, say, three iPhones per person. So they would pay a person, say, $100 to wait in line, they'd give them the money for three iPhones, and then they would buy all these iPhones, and then they would, whatever, ship them off to countries where you can't buy the iPhone. But bottom line is they were selling them for a big mm-hmm. markup. Um, big markup. So this is the same type of thing, right? If you're really good at guessing like football games, then like imagine that you like just get a bunch of people to buy whatever. It's probably one I think he, I think, yeah, yeah. Or no, no, I'm, get, no, I think it's more. I think you could buy more than one. I whatever, think maybe it's two, five. Three, five, whatever. You get like 30 or 40 people that you're like, I'm really confident in this bet. I'm going to cover the cost of the mattresses. And then when you get like them when the training, Astros won the World Series, if you had done that, yeah, I mean, it would have paid off handsomely for you. The problem is if they don't win, you're in big trouble. The other problem is, though, I mean, you still have to pay. Even if you get all of your mattresses for free, you still would probably, in order to make a business out of it, still have a lot more overhead and operating costs to really start out with. 
and um, you would probably have to figure out to get like thousands of them. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone that's structuring this as a formal business, but it would just be a funny side. It's like a reverse Ponzi scheme. The worst Ponzi scheme ever. No, a reverse, a reverse, not the worst. I know, which would make it the worst. Um, so, so he's putting two million on the Cowboys, who are the underdogs against San Francisco on Sunday. So again, so at least that two million would get if he wins would get him more than two million dollars. Probably get him closer to about three, maybe. Um, on it and to cover the cost in case he's got to give everybody free mattresses again. So that is one of the games. Uh, the other game is the Giants and Philadelphia. That's on the NFC side. So one of those four teams will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. On the AFC, Buffalo is playing Cincinnati. That was the game that was postponed uh, week 16 because the Buffalo player literally collapsed on the field. Mm-hmm. So they now get to play each other in the playoffs and finally see who I mean, not would have won that game, but who's kind of the better team between the two of them. Uh, both of them are are probably, I'd say like the three, they're probably three of the four strongest teams is Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City, and San Francisco are probably the four strongest teams right now. Even though Philly had the bye, I think those are probably the four strongest. Um, and um, so it's interesting that, that even in this round, it seems like two of, of the best four are playing each other. So it should be a very good game. And then the last one is Kansas City and Jacksonville. Um, so tune in. This is the NFL Divisional Weekend. And then next week, um, Buff- winner of Buffalo-Cincinnati plays the winner of Kansas City-Jacksonville. And the winner of the Giants-Philly plays the winner of San Francisco and Dallas. So and those teams will go to the Super Bowl, whoever wins those games. So it's progressive. So- you know, um, in most things in life, if you can't uh, make it a Simpsons or Seinfeld, a, a Seinfeld reference or a Simpsons quote, um, it's ever not worth talking about. So um, there's an episode where Homer and Lisa start watching football together. This is like one of the first seasons of The Simpsons. And then Lisa finds out that Homer's actually betting on the games. And so she says, she says to her dad, what could be more exciting than the savage bullet ballet that is pro football? Well, you know, you like ice cream, don't you? Uh-huh. And don't you like ice cream better when it's covered with hot fudge and mounds of whipped cream and chopped nuts and, oh, those crumbled up cookie things? They mm, crumbled up cookie things. So gambling makes a good thing even better? That's right. My God, it's like there's some kind of bond between us. So... Mattress Mac is basically the mega Homer Simpson of... By the way, the fact that you remember that, probably if you said it's early season, like some 20 years later, that just amazes me. Imagine what you could do if you had devoted more of your life to like scientific endeavors. or The fact you remember that's amazing. I don't remember that word for word. I was reading it. Oh. I thought you'd literally remember that from your head from years no, ago. I remember the general gist of it, but I wanted to make sure I was getting it word for word. So, oh. yeah, no, that would have been impressive. I, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Hold a fast on me, Mr. Levenstein. By the way, we talk about something named Lisa again coming up. So uh, get excited for that. Lisa, um, it's your birthday. Um, history on this day. So 140 years ago today, we're moving on without a really good connector. Um, the first electric lighting system, well, you need lighting in order to play football now at night, so I guess it's connected. Um, 140 years ago, the first electric lighting system by Edison 
was conceived using overhead wires in New Jersey. So the thing that really stuck out to me is, again, we talk about a lot about airplane travel only being 120 years old. The fact that real, like real electricity, as we kind of use it in all of our homes, is really only 140 years old. Um, um, if not, it, and, it, and that was just when it kind of started. It's really kind of amazing how how quickly something that is so incredible can take off when it is such a game changer and how fast this country can create the infrastructure in order for that to happen. Because I think my guess is by the 1920s, um, which is a hundred years ago. So within 40 years, there was electric lighting system in every major city in the United States um, and significant one at that. So, okay. Three things on that. First of all, yes, to some degree. Um, the Even though that's true, there were still many places in the 20s that didn't have any electricity and many houses in these no, cities. I, I'm, I'm, but yes, but in general, considering how much progress they made in 40 years. Yep, for sure. Um, yeah, the other thing is, and I mentioned this in other episodes, but like there's a major correlation proven between the emergence of societies and electricity. And so, you know, it was seen earlier in the previous century, I guess. But even today, if you go to like these third world countries, the difference between a, you know, you think about like, and this is the analogy that sticks with me, but you have a child who wants to learn and they live someplace where it's dark, right? And so right now they have to use a kerosene lamp, which is dangerous and you have to make sure there's ventilation and then eventually you shut it off because you're on kerosene. You can't really learn much. And so when you have steady electricity, people get more educated. It's like the two things that go in parallel in a society emerging and evolving is really electricity or, or stable reliable electricity and women educated getting educated and having free and equal not rights. just women but all education but yes no, no um, but the men like in general males are getting educated god even in the third world countries got when it. you start educating women and giving them equal rights that's when a society really like takes off into the next level um but the third thing is yo safe levinstein ardent feminist Defender. Yeah, I've been called a feminist, I've been called a liberal, and I've been called a chauvinist, and I've been called an idiot. So, I don't know. I'm all kinds of things, apparently. All by the same person. <laughs> <laughs> um, the third thing is, yes, amazing that they were able to deploy their infrastructure, but the fact that in 2023 there's still parts of this country that don't have access to broadband internet is shocking. Um Fortunately for everyone, Elon Musk has saved the day with Starlink, but... There's um, a Starlink. Okay, yes. Keep but, going. you know, still, it, it's impressive that the infrastructure was deployed for electricity when it was. Um, but I really do... Uh, I really do think it's uh, a little bit of a shame that there isn't more broadband internet available to more of the rural population in this country. And they either have to do Starlink or... You know, it's I guess the heat in heat in in to some degree in America, the equivalent of that stable, reliable electricity which everyone has and someone takes for granted is broadband internet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating to see if technology evolves as quickly as it did in the last hundred years as well in the next hundred. Because even if you think about like what some movies predicted about the future by now, that hasn't come true that we're not there technologically yet. Um, 
among other things, it kind of does feel like that our technological progress has slowed down a little bit. You haven't have inventions like airplane, like electricity, like even the internet over the last like 20 years. Um, again, internet's way faster than it was 20 years ago, don't get me wrong, but it just doesn't feel like it was that much of a giant game changer um, in terms of um, the amount of uh, technological advancement kind of at the turn of the century um, that there is today. Yeah, turn Neil of that 19th to, 19th to 20th century. So Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about um, flying cars. He's like, why haven't there been flying cars? And he talks about the science and the physics behind even a hoverboard or any of that stuff. Like none of that, it's not physically, it's not viable from a physics perspective. Um, in terms of technology. Flying cars are, what are you talking about? You can have, I've seen companies giant fans. There are definitely yeah, ways to do not, it. That's not. It's not viable. I mean, yeah, you can stick a. It, it, it may not be. It may not be economically viable, but it's physically viable. Physically, but like you can't have those driving around the streets. They're noisy. They they they're gonna blow all the dust all over everyone. Like it's just it's like having a helicopter. Anyways, so yes, it's possible, but it's not viable. It's like a product right. or something becomes mainstream. Also, not necessarily something that we need. But um, I need a but, flying car. But go ahead. I would say from a technological perspective, things aren't necessarily slowing down. I think the only, so, well, and to that, I'll say two things. One is a big part of maybe sort of like a diversion or somewhat of a, I guess, not a slowdown, but like where there's been a different focus on the technology we've been focused on has been, you know, Uber Eats and like, you know, uh, DoorDash and, and TikTok. Yeah, but that's not like that. Right, but that's well. DoorDash getting food delivered to you isn't. They had delivery people. It's it's a better concept and it's a better mousetrap. But that's not. They had food deliveries in the sixties and seventies too. Now it's just right. way more. Whatever. It's not something new. Like literally, a, what a car was when it was introduced. But, uh, but what I'll say is that in parallel to that stupidity, which I like, can has value, I guess, to some degree. Well, more of a convenience value than anything else. Now, like restaurants are getting their margins chopped by it, and I guess some people are able to do their gig economy jobs, which is not a negative thing, really, if you think about it. But um, in parallel to that, on the on the science like medicine front, there's been insane advancements in medicine, um, and continue to be insane advancements in medicine. Um, there's been incredible advancements in... Uh, Correct. I was talking more on the transportation aspect. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Otherwise, because, yeah, like like electricity, like the stuff that we've been able to do with solar and wind, which is whatever, politically and objectively there's whatever, but still have made it some... I think uh, 13% of the electricity in the United States is generated by either wind or solar. Like That's, that's amazing. That's significant. Yeah, that's that's. I would have guessed it was like six or seven. That's great. Yeah, I was very surprised when I heard that number. Now there has to be backup systems because no, of course it's not. But, it's not. It's not reliable like everything else is. But that's right. so. So that's been a huge advancement. And then I mean, we. I don't know if we have Chat GPT on this week's episode. I mean, we can't have it every episode. We again, cannot but... have it, Chat. I mean, literally, people need to have a shot every time you say Chat GPT on our <laughs> podcast. But the the fact is, it's been huge advancements. This has been a huge advancement in artificial intelligence, and 
that artificial intelligence is going to potentially power every a lot of other platforms, right? In other words, they're not going to just keep this boxed up to their own systems. They're going to. The interesting thing from a venture capital perspective is we've always uh, like golden section or as you call it, golden circles. Um, has no always, circle, singular. Circle, not, sorry, yeah. And <laughs> I would be disrespectful. Yeah. Um, you know, we've sort of always avoided artificial intelligence and machine learning, partially because we don't fully understand it, partially because a lot of it is like fluff. But right. now all these companies that were talking about their artificial intelligence and all the engines they were building, they're all going to be flushed down the toilet because everyone's just going to use like the open AI system and then plug in their own system right. on top of it. Right. Use um, that as the baseline. Yeah. Yeah. That is the engine. Right, like so, right. video games that have certain graphic engines. You know, Apple OS is like somewhat of an engine. So, so that's been a huge advance. And then quantum computing. So, like, there have been incredible advancements in technology, um, but there's just been they just don't get as much press, or at least mainstream I, press. It's, as and I, I think it's consumer product advancement is kind of what I'm aiming at more. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what it feels like a slowdown. And that's what like literally like the, like the flat screen TV. That's amazing. Don't get me wrong. And it's very cool. But the flat screen TV from now versus five years ago, isn't that remarkably different? Yeah. No, that's like plateaued to some degree, right? Yeah. Same thing with the iPhone, right? Like, you know, they're great. Yeah. They're making them better, but it's not like. Yeah, it's not that much different. The one that I had five years ago or three years ago. In the beginning ago. it was, right? Like right. when they came out, the first one had 3G internet. Like that. Or, was a big or that you could play all your music on your phone. The first one, but even on the first few iterations, right? You know, right. They, they initially, they, the first one, I think. Yeah, they didn't, he have, didn't have internet, right? You didn't have a FaceTime camera, I don't think, or something. Yeah, I no FaceTime. Yeah, there's, yeah, they've, they've added, right, the, the incredible new features that they've added in each successive thing are less and less incredible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but I think that the fact is, it's like you think about in 140 years ago, people were sitting in their houses either in the dark or with like lanterns or candlesticks or whatever. And then all of a sudden you had this like wire that you would run and there was a bulb and that gave you light. Like that's mind blowingly cool. And then the infrastructure of deploying that. And again, deploying it with the resources that they had available 140 years ago. Like it's pretty cool. Moving on 70 years ago. Yes. American exceptionalism at its finest. There you go. Uh, 70 years ago, um, 72% of all TV sets tuned in to watch Lucy give birth. So, um, and, and coincidentally, her son just turned, I think, 70 years old. It, like, um, obviously didn't show her actually give birth um, on TV. Uh, it was just the episode in which she did it. But the thing that stood out to me is, is that 72% of all TV sets in the United States turned in to watch something. My guess is even the Super Bowl nowadays, it's probably not more than eight or nine, maybe 10 to 15% of TV sets. We have to look that up. Actually, I'm going to do that right now as we talk. But 72% is insane. A, they weren't a lot of channels. But the fact that this was 72%, not of people watching TV, of all sets that were sold is what it seems like, which is insane that everybody was just watching to watch this thing. So... One second. So she didn't give, like, it wasn't like they had her, like, they're screaming and giving birth. So Correct. It was just like she went to the hospital and had That episode. Yeah, on that episode. So I wonder, was it because childbirth was not something that was talked about on Correct, TV? Correct, Mundo. 
She was like so, the first person to like actively. Um, what? This doesn't seem right. It's amazing that she was able to get pregnant considering that they had. Okay, so I'm com- I am completely off. Um, okay. Apparently, in 2020, 69% of oh, people tell. Wait, oh, you're talking about with the context of Lucy. Sorry. Okay, you have to be more specific. Ah, uh, very funny. <laughs> in 2020, about 69% of U.S. homes and televisions turned in to watch the game. So apparently the Super Bowl is at that level of almost 72. I'm shocked by that. 69%? Um, of U.S. homes and televisions tuned in to watch the game in 2020. By the way, do you think one of the like statisticians was like, it's 67, but let's just make it 69 because that'll be funny. Uh, no. Um, you think it's actually 69? That's a very random number. So 69%, that's insane. That's yeah. I'm, right. So Lucy was 72. So, I mean, that was the equivalent of a Super Bowl, and you don't get any TV shows that are like that nowadays. No. That's a sporting event. But the fact that um, even that yeah. is that high is crazy. So, um, but yeah, yeah the like, fact that it's, like the fact that it's, to 50. Right. The fact that a sitcom got 72% to watch of all TVs to tune in for it is amazing about the popularity of the sitcom, her comedic timing and the state of television in 53. Um, because Lucy is actually funny and it actually holds up as a funny show. If you watch it even nowadays, um, a lot of the other shows from the fifties you do. I mean, you will be bored out of your mind. Challenge accepted. I haven't gone back to watch. I love Lucy since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, vitamin to vegemin is a great episode and funny. Where she goes and uh, and squishes the grapes is a great episode. There are a lot of funny ones, but those are kind of the all time classics. Um, so yeah, I'll go take a look. But yeah, so that's Lubaloo, the seventieth no, anniversary. What did he used to sing? Babalu. Babalu. Tune into our podcast to see how Yosef can butcher everything Ricky Ricardo says, <laughs> and Ricky Ricardo would butcher everything that. This is said in proper English, so it's kind of perfect. Um, you've got some splaining to do. You got some splaining to do. That was actually never said on the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, another Mandela effect. No way. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Forty years ago, Apple Lisa was the first commercial PC with a graphical user interface and a mouse. So uh, as your Lisa Simpson, um, I said we'd be talking about another Lisa. So there was an Apple Lisa. I never even heard of Apple uh, having a Lisa product. But again, I also wasn't alive 40 years ago. So kind of not that surprising. Um, But what fascinated me about this is, again, as we were talking about it, um, computers, again, Computers feeling 40 years old um, makes about sense, especially when you think about the internet's about probably about like 25 years old since it really became worldwide. Um, and that kind of, that to me feels like a correct time-wise. Um, but um, it's interesting when computers weren't hooked up to the internet and not using it, because now I would say a majority of what people use the computer for is between internet or work with Excel or word. But 40 years ago, I feel like very few people other than kind of government agencies were really using computers in their day-to-day work lives. 
I'll take who is Lisa Jobs for four hundred dollars. Was that Steve Jobs' daughter? Correct. So he named it after her. When? How old is she? I want to say she's probably around fifty now. Oh wow. Forty-four. Oh, so so. She was like seven or eight years old, I think, when when he came out with it. She was four because it's forty years ago. And she's forty-four. I, oh, is that how? I don't know how. I'm just guessing in terms of how old she actually is. Yeah. So. So there you go, and it's his only daughter. So that uh, that makes sense why he called it Apple Lisa. Well, no, not his only daughter. That was his only daughter at the time. He had. Oh. Sorry. Three other kids with his other wife. So she, Lisa, was his daughter that was born to his first... First wife. Right. I if they were married. Oh. They may not have even been married. And, oh, yeah. um, and like, he, like, sent them... It was, it was, he, he, it was one of the things yeah, they that weren't. he messed up the most in his life. Jobs, his however, life. did not assume responsibility for the pregnancy, which led Brennan to end the relationship. Mm-hmm. Later on in life, he had all kinds of things to say about it. But yeah, that was the story. So, But he named the computer project he was working on Apple Lisa after her. Mm-hmm. Even now, shortly after then, he publicly denied that he was the child's father. Why would you name... He said it wasn't named for her, and his team came up with the phrase logical integrated system architecture. <laughs> Decades later, Jobs admitted that obviously it was named for my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What I know. Talk about tortured souls. Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing. All these like genius types, man, they do a great job of screwing up their personal lives. That's where it all comes from. Or, well, maybe it's chicken and egg, but I think... Yeah, I think that's a little bit of chicken and egg. Yeah, could be. But he... Um, and to your other point, um, the computer... In, 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 at that point in time, 40 years ago, I think the computers in offices were connected to a network but it was a local area network. It wasn't connected to the broader internet network. Correct. And um, also... Not non-government ones. Like corporate. In a corporation. You right, would, yeah, right, right. You had a computer at your desk in your corporate office and it was connected to a local area network. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it was just connected to a printer or... Mm, probably to some degree. And then... Um, but the craziest thing was, like... At that point, this was DOS. Do you remember? Did you? Are you? Did you ever use DOS? No, I no, I, I remember it and having to load up games on DOS. I, I like remember CD.dos with the floppy desk slash, and you had to go to the yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I was like six and seven. I needed okay. always somebody older to help me because I was trying to play Mario Time Machine and it was not working that well. Right, I would so, have to do like three or four different entries and stuff, and yep. you'd have to load in like twelve different discs. Mario Time Machine. Execute file. Yep. That's an exe file, which still exists today. It's just that you click on it instead of typing in the command. Right. Mm. So when he came out with it, I mean, it was pretty mind blowing to people that you not only were you like moving away from a keyboard interface, but this thing that you can move around. And today, you know, like if you put one of our kids in front of a laptop that doesn't have a touch screen, they're going to just be <laughs> completely confused by it. Oh, see, my laptop doesn't have a touchscreen. I purposely don't like it because my touchscreen once broke and all of a sudden the computer went haywire. So I purposely try to not get touchscreens. Do you let your kids use your work computer? Oh. Yeah, so there you go. But yeah, they, they so, yeah, so my, 
Yeah, they do because of my iPad. That's a good call. Exactly. So um, it's pretty cool. Um, when he came out, the, it was quite the game changer. I think after the Lisa, he had a series of flops. Um, but the yeah, Lisa no, was... Apple definitely took a downturn in the 90s when Dell and all the other companies in two, early 2000s, until the iPad, I, I mean, the iPod came out, Apple was not doing great. They had those color ones that sold pretty well, I think. But yeah. they definitely had a down period. I remember, I don't know if I, when I was, so when I, I came to college, I didn't have a laptop, and I saved up some money. And I was able to buy a laptop, so I went on eBay. And I, I don't even know why, but I just was like, I wanted an iBook. This is in 2004. Yeah, it must have been 2004. I was on eBay before it was cool, actually. I was on eBay. I hold on, I think it'll tell me how long I've been a member for. Hold on. I've been a member, and I've actually kept the same username. I have been a member since August 27th, 1998. Whoa. Yeah. Tried to buy basketball cards. How old were you? 12. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Look you being an early adopter. Yeah, unfortunately, I also was on Amazon very early too. I should have bought Amazon stock. eBay stock, I don't really kick myself about too much. Um, but I kick myself. I was on Amazon early buying books. Um, and I yeah. kind of not happy I didn't buy their stock. But yeah. I, remember I was buying books. And then I remember one day I was on because they also would ship to Israel, which was like unbelievable. Well, let me see how um, but then I remember one day I was on Amazon and they offered me like I could buy CDs. And at that point in time, I don't know what CDs cost, like $16, $15. What did it cost to buy a CD at a store? Probably like could say 10 to $16. Right. Um, which would be at that point in time in Israel, you're talking like 50 shekel. But like CDs in Israel were like 90 shekel or 100 shekel, right? So all of a sudden I was able to buy CDs on Amazon. And it was free shipping, I think, even because it like shipped from the. Anyway, so it was also that was to me was way more exciting. The books was cool, but man, when I was able to start buying CDs on Amazon, that was a game changer. Yeah, um, yeah. Amazon doesn't have like the you join like eBay does so easily findable. So, um, but yeah, um, yeah. So it's um, anyway. Um, we got to move on, but uh, that's what happened on this day. Um, all those years ago. In politics on January 19th, uh, which is the day we're taping this podcast, Mayor Pete Buttigieg turns 41. He has been in the news a lot recently for a number of things. Basically, the transportation system in the United States keeps having some failures that are not weather-related. He is currently the Secretary of Transportation. It has not gone too well for him um, with this latest Southwest disaster for two days um, in which, like, it wasn't weather related and like almost all the Southwest flights were canceled, stranding people stranded a couple of our friends here in our community in Miami. Um, I'm about to say if there are worse places to be stranded than Miami. Um, but um, it just seems like there's been a giant and forget about that. Just the um, um, all of the cons- in the construction services industries. Um, there's been a giant. Um, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting the word. It's late. Uh, what's the backup of the um, everything being backed up? Backlog? No, not backlog. Congestion? No. Uh, Constipation? 
Anyway, um, in terms of getting um, way, construction materials. Supply chain? Supply chain, thank you. Couldn't think of the word supply chain. That's not good. We need a podcast earlier. Um, <laughs> so all of the supply chain issues. All the constipation of the supply chain. Um, creating a backlog. Creating a backlog. Um, so yeah, so he has been kind of front and center on that. And this is not, again, a positive or apolitical uh, think on what you think of Pete. It just has to do with what's literally been happening in transportation over the last few years. In the words of Don Draper, I don't think of Pete. Um, yeah. Um, but so it is his 41st birthday today. I was surprised. I thought he was like 45. I'm actually surprised he's only 41. So it'll be interesting. He's kind of some people considered him until all this stuff started happening as potentially one of the leading people to potentially take Biden's place at the top of the Democratic ticket in 2024. Um, although his time as transportation secretary, again, as we've said, has not been going great. So um, and Biden says he's going to run again. So no one will run against him if he does decide to run again. But uh, very interesting. He kind of came out of nowhere as this small mayor, uh, literally known as Mayor Pete, because he uh, was this on the national stage because he was literally mayor of, I think it was Fort Bend, Indiana, um, where Notre Dame is. Um, It's not um, tiny. It's not like it's a village. No, no. But it's not like he was the mayor of Los Angeles or New York City. I will say, and I'm all in favor of blaming this government for everything, but um, I will say that, you know, to give him the benefit of whatever, is that this is an infrastructure that's been neglected for decades. Sorry, South Bend, Indiana. That's what I meant. This is an infrastructure that's been neglected for decades by the government. Typical of politicians and short-termness and no one thinking about the long-term you know, value or, you know, importance of these things and only thinking about their term. And so, you know, he's inheriting the, the buck stopping at his feet. And I don't, you know, I don't fully blame him. And maybe if it was like some superstar, I don't know, whatever administrator or whatever you want to call like a official in his position, maybe they would have handled it better, but it's a nearly impossible challenge to face now and so i give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt in the sense of that and southwest running on a computer system that hasn't been updated since the mid 80s is not his (laughs) fault either (laughs) the whole airport um, transportation system needs a severe upgrade but um, thanks also by the way um, but you just hear about it less. Um, moving on, you only hear you only hear about it when it all falls apart. Um, right. so. yeah. um, you hear I'm about it way more in the airline industry. Yeah, you're gonna um, on the politics front. Another yeah. interesting development that's going on right now in Israel is the um, and I'm gonna. It's a very heated thing, so there's really I'm just gonna try to be as factual as I can on this. But you know, essentially. Um, with the new government in place, they are trying to reduce the power and authority that the judicial system has over the executive and legislative branch of government in Israel. Mm-hmm. 
And it's an interesting situation because it's hard to get like the facts. So from what I've read from a few different sources, and the problem is the people on the left, like I like, especially in Israel, I like to read what the left says just as much as what the right says, because it, there's, you know, so there's quite a bit of polarization, but right now the left in Israel has gone like completely off the rails. So it's very hard to discern what they're saying for any senses of reality. But so I'll just sort of try to dilute what the right wing sources I've read are saying, which is basically that right now the Supreme Court um, has, and it's been like this since the mid-90s, this is a recent development, but since the mid-90s, the Supreme Court of Israel has had um, a lot of, um, has had the ability and, and even the authority to um, regulate what the legislative branch has been saying or intervening in some cases, apparently. Um, and also there's something about the nomination, oh, the nominations of new justices on the Supreme Court in Israel is done by the actual judges versus I think here is the president that nominates. A new Correct. Judge. So in Israel, it's the actual judges on the Supreme Court that nominate. Really? I think. Oh, I that think. is ripe for. Um, so that's ripe for um, what's it called? Nepotism and corruption. Right. And so that's why there's like this sort of balancing act where it's like, Hey, you, so the judicial should not be able to interfere in the legislative unless the legislative is actually breaking the law. And even in that Correct. Case, I don't know exactly how that looks, but yeah, like that's there. And so, and, Oh, and then there's one other thing that there's a very right. And that intervention, the, the, the criteria for the, uh, judiciary to intervene with the legislative is very vague. The wording that they use was very, very uh, subjective. And so, so Netanyahu was trying to change that. The chain reaction to that is that people are, so first the left is now um, challenging the election results and saying that there should be another re-election because there was, like, they're, whatever, they're discrediting it, which is not surprisingly hypocritical because the right would have done the exact same thing, but in the past when the right has done that, the left has been like, we need to have a stable government, and now when you have this government that was elected by a significant majority of the population, uh, the left is saying, oh, this is not our government or whatever. Um, so, but yeah, so those are the big ones. So it's changing the authority that the uh, judicial system has a legislative um, changing the way judges are nominated, um, basically reducing the power. And this was the precedent. This was the this was the, the and it's not a new anything. It's more going back to the way things were until the mid nineties. Oh, interesting. I got um, it. So basically, when the left kind of took over Israel in the nineties, it kind of changed the judicial back to this, to like in the. Got it. Like the Perez and the Rabin years. The tail end of Rabin and then, yeah, Paris. And it was Aaron Barak who did it. Ehud Barak. No, Aaron Barak. He was oh. the Supreme Court Justice at the time. Slash oh, wait, Ehud's brother? No, Aaron Barak. So, true story. He was our upstairs neighbor in our first apartment building that we lived in when we moved to Israel. Mm-hmm. Is he, he related was... to Ehud at all or no? No. Oh, okay. But he, we moved to Israel. We moved into this apartment and then turns out the upstairs our upstairs neighbor is the supreme court justice like he was the head of the supreme court of israel 
Right. And uh, he had a really cute German shepherd named Pinky. And we used to play with Pinky all the time. And I used to go and hang out in their house all the time. And I didn't think anything of it. It was just our own and whatever his wife's name was. And then years later, I was like, wait one second. <laughs> this is like one of the most powerful people in the country. And you think I, he named his dog Pinky because he was the brain? Or maybe because he was a communist. Oh. <laughs> Either one of those could work. Yeah, we Pinky used to come into our apartment and just hang out in our apartment all day. And question: When when Barack was your upstairs neighbor and like they were preparing for a meal, did you smell what Barack was cooking? Uh, I did not. But they were bad. lovely people. But my parents strongly disagree with their politics. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that I'm not surprised by. You can hang out with the dog, but don't talk to the parents. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very cool story. See, look at that. And my cousins were neighbors with literally like next door neighbors with Netanyahu whenever we visited them in Yerushalayim, like when he wasn't prime minister, was right there on Aza. So, Um, I never once saw him come in and out. Then again, it's not like I ever like lived there next to him. So um, I went to visit them like once every few years. It's not surprised I didn't see him out of his house. But I remember thinking like that is some strong security. Um, oh yeah no we used to see him all the time like we, he'd like come into the cafes we were sitting at or I'd see him out on like a walk or a run with all of his bodyguards yeah um, and oh, he's prime minister again it's there. really amazing it's, yeah it's, it's unprecedented it's, for a in, in, in a democratically elected country to have this guy come back and be prime minister for not only this long but this many times that's the thing. Like he's been democratically elected. Like yeah. it's not like there's three yeah. times, and he's already like I think it's got to be it's like so year fifteen, maybe. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of similar to I would equate this to, um, and people have criticized him for this. He so he never he has not trained like um a, what's it called a successor. Uh, yeah, and that's and that's a big part of the problem. And it's just, it's similar, sort of similar to like the modern Orthodox leadership problem, right? There's like a lack of role models. There's a lack of you know people in in this sort of modern Orthodoxy. And so it's just the same thing. Like you know, Bibi has spent all his time as prime minister, but he hasn't trained anyone to be a politician and dip- diplomat at his caliber. And whether you agree with him or not, he's an amazing politician. He's an amazing diplomat because. He's been democratically elected so many times. Yeah, it's he may be one of the greatest politicians in forget about Israeli history, world history. Um, oh, by another classic moment, they did block Dairy from becoming a minister. What do you mean, Dairy? Arya Dairy. Oh, he was supposed okay. to be one of the ministers, and he was actually like the the that's where the that's where I mean the judicial system intervened, but they basically said like. He had, and part of his plea bargain was mm. that he would never go back to politics. So got it. So now they're lactose intolerant for R.A. Dairy. Man, I'm really tired. Oh, uh, this is not going to be one of our better. This is not going to be one of our better podcasts. Yeah, um, um, finishing up because we're running out of time. In random, some just random birthdays, and we can also then discuss anything else you would like to, Mr. Levenstein. Oh, with the three and a half minutes that I left. 
<laughs> you can make the list. You're Go genius. ahead and make the list. I do not take. I'd be happy to make less of it because then I would be less mad if we don't end up getting to it. Um, so you are welcome to add anything to these lists more often, Mister Levenstein. So Edgar Allan Poe turns two hundred and fourteen today. Dolly Parton. Um, we're gonna get back to Dolly Parton. I'm That'd going in fine. age order. Edgar uh, okay. Allan Poe is two fourteen. Um, what's amazing is I was just reading about him today because it was his 214th birthday. Was orphaned by like the time he was like a year or two. Was raised by his cousins. Um, married, I think his other or not like by his family because married a different cousin. He was thirty. She was like sixteen. Oh my uh, god! Then she died of tuberculosis, oh, like at the age of like twenty eight or something. Uh, he was dead by the age of like 42. I mean, when you hear about Edgar Allan Poe's life and you read about him, you're like, yeah, I understand why like he wrote The Raven and like it's the most dep- and the murders in the Rue Morgue and all that stuff. <laughs> it's a depressing life. Um, and even after he was dead, people like kept trying to like steal his grave. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, you just switched on to something? Whoa. Here an echo. Here an echo. I do. It seemed like a noise up, but it's it's fine. It's not too bad of an echo. It'll sound fine in the podcast. You just sound louder. Okay. Um. So, Edgar Allan Poe is two fourteen, and hopefully he can actually rest the peace. Like people are like grave rob, I th- all types of crazy stuff, and it's also very unclear also how he died. Like they found him really drunk, and then he like died the next day. Like there, nobody is really quite sure what Edgar Allan Poe died of. So I found uh, that last week microbiology wasn't exactly super advanced at that point in history. Yeah. He was like 41 years old though. So it's not like, and it was the 1840s. It wasn't like everybody only lived to 40. Like most people were living to 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. even some 80s. Um, if yeah, you made it past yeah. childhood. Right. Yeah. I'm not talking about like the amount of like, yeah. I'm not talking about the average age. I'm talking about if you made adulthood, what you typically would live to. Yeah. Um, other news, Janis Joplin would have been 80 today. Um, I say that because it's a very famous name, yet I don't think I can identify a single Janis Joplin song. I don't know. I don't know if it's because it's just not my type of music because I like a lot of like sixties and seventies music, but I don't think I know a single song. Do you know a song by Janis Joplin? Yeah, I know a bit. My dad actually is a fan. So I, I remember like someone listening to that um but also she didn't have she died at 27 years old yeah um but i think yeah there's a few songs of hers that i know um you would know them like her songs is like those like screaming songs so you would know it maybe you heard um uh, I think she died of a drug overdose is what it seems yeah. like, a heroin overdose, potentially compounded by alcohol. Um, Crazy that she would have been 80, though, so she was Dolly Parton's age. Yeah, two years older. Um, I'm just trying to think, what is her? Can you? Oh, so here, Peace of My Heart. Oh, sorry. Peace of My Heart, I know that song. Uh, that's the only one. That song, because that's covered a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pearl Jam is done as one of songs. That's sorry. So that's the only one I know. Yeah. Her cover of Peace of My Heart. That's other than that, I don't think I know another one. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't, it's sort of like Leonard Skinner, you know? Cut that no, one. Leonard Skinner sure. has a lot more. The band has a lot more songs. For, I mean, Sweet Home Alabama and Freebird is already, I just think sure. off the top of my head. Yeah. They um, had a shorter career and then they should have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, same thing, Buddy Holly and yeah, uh, but but yeah, so it would have been her 80th birthday today. And she's actually from Texas, Port Arthur, funny huh. enough. So, uh, you learned something new, and it's crazy. Both of her parents actually lived till the, her mom died in 98, her dad in 87. So, they both unfortunately had to live with uh, having their daughter living years after their daughter's passing. So sucks yeah um moving on dolly pardon is 77 um i thought um she was actually a little older than that but um not that she looks it but um she's kind of like i feel like she was like the first real country music female star um and like i feel like she's more famous for just being famous nowadays um because, but I, I guess within a certain world, she was like the original. She had like Dolly World, which was like a theme park. Uh, she, she, um, really, um, kind of was, um, really, I think, used her name well in terms of promoting it and still being a, a force, I think, for a lot of years afterwards. So still, I don't know any of her songs, but she's still a uh, decent, yeah. I, I take your word for it. And she's still out there and doing stuff. Um, I think you the, do know her songs. I think isn't Jolene, Jolene. I don't Jolene, know it. Jolene. I don't know. It. I really don't listen to country music. Huh. Interesting. You know, uh, in Texas, right? Yeah, I know. It's the one part of Texas I'm not a. Have you heard of Chris Stapleton? Have I heard of Chris Stapleton? Yeah. yeah, I've heard of him. I don't know a single song of his. Luke Combs. Heard of him too, but only because like the rodeo, they keep bringing these people in during their concerts. Yes. I'm like, so that's the only reason why. But I don't know any of their songs. I don't care. Gotcha. Like the ones I cared about was like the rock one. Um. Oh wow, we're over sixty-two minutes. I hope this actually doesn't cut us off. Maybe we're allowed to go over an hour. Um. Like. The Rodeo Houston, like, they have New Kids on the Block oh. is playing, which I was too Rock young. It. I was too young to ever listen to any of their music because they were, like, big in, like, the early 90s. I was six. I wasn't listening to music. Um, and the other one is Machine Gun Kelly, which I feel like I'm too old to know any of their songs. <laughs> so um, the only non-country stuff that's really coming in is I'm not a fan of. So Journey's Not Coming or U2 or Green Day, none of that stuff. Or Blink One Eighty Two, um, it's this type of stuff. So, that's uh, that's it. Interesting. Um, well, it, do you have anything else you would like to talk about? Now that we're already over, we'll have to see what the podcast. I don't need your it. sympathy topics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. Well, then, it is time for us to end the podcast. Have a great evening, Mr. Lowenstein. Wait. Wait. Uh, you just gave me some something. Okay. What is a good way to end a podcast? Oh, my God. People are going to have to take another shot. 
Uh, hold on, it's thinking. A good way to end a podcast is to summarize the main points covered in the episode and thank the listeners for tuning in. It can also be effective to include a call to action, such as encouraging listeners to subscribe to the show or follow the host on social media. Additionally, including a teaser for the next episode could leave, that listen, could leave listeners looking forward to the next installment. It is also good to play an outro music or sound to signal the end of the podcast. Okay. So in summary, we covered a lot of things that Stephen thought are interesting, and we had a good time making fun of each other. Um, we definitely want to make sure that everyone who's still listening uh, smashes the subscribe button on whatever application they're using so that they'll be notified when we publish a new episode. And next time, we're going to continue to make fun of each other with our friendly banter slash talk about things that we and our listeners find interesting. And as the outro song, a new thing we are starting. Oh, if only YouTube music cooperated. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, it. it is. Hold on, let me make it a lot louder. Can you hear that? Barely. Hold on. Better now? Yeah. It is the theme from Taxi. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Night, night. <laughs>